F COVID-19. I don't know if we can start the podcast uh, any other way. It is another edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast uh, broadcasting from the Man Cave itself, my Man Cave itself. So uh, kind of a quarantine version of the podcast, uh, if you will. But, uh, you know, got some football stuff to talk about. But first things first, be safe out there, people. Be safe out there. Wash your hands, social distancing, uh, hunker down in your homes if you can. The quicker we can do all do that, the quicker we'll be back to some normalcy. You know, it's, it's tough out there. Believe me, I'm struggling a little bit with it too. A little anxiety. I want to get outside. I want to go to the golf courses. I want to do something out there, but I know this is, this is for the best right now. We got to hunker down. We got to bunker down and, uh, you know, try to do our best to, to, you know, get through this safely and quickly as possible, but be safe out there, be safe out there. So, but, uh, you know, we, we do have some football stuff, uh, to talk about, uh, coming in this episode of the, uh, the man cave football podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, uh, what, what do the Patriots do from here? Will they do anything from here? And literally, as we just were getting ready to record this podcast, taking the pictures and all that, Packers apparently signing a wide receiver, Devin Funches. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, and then just having a little fun uh, in this podcast because, well, you know, it's 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 the off offseason, uh, although free agency did start. Uh, uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit of, you know, some of the big signings that that I liked and the ones I didn't like or just like don't understand. Um, but you know, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, some of that and, and just, you know, have a little fun with like, uh, you know, my top five, um, uh, quarterbacks in, in football movies, my top five football movies too, because while it is a quarantine version of the man cave football podcast. So, I mean, if you're stuck, I shouldn't say stuck, but if you're, you know, at home and, uh, trying to find some stuff to do and, you know, kind of weighing it all out and maybe looking for something to watch. I'll give you my suggestions on my top five football movies of all time. But, you know, let, let's let's get to started. Got the beer open. We're going to go with a little Hinterland Door County Cherry White. This stuff's good. This is good stuff. It's one of those where you just, just kind of break out once in a while type of beers. But uh, it's, one of my, it, it's, it's, it's got a presence in, in the beer fridge. Here in the man cave, but let's let's get it started. Here we're talking a little bit about uh, obviously you know big story from free agency has been Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their new starting quarterback moving on from Jameis Winston, bringing in Tom Brady on a two-year deal. Um, you know the the later it got, you know, or the closer I should say, the closer it got to uh, free agency. You kind of wondered if, you know, Tampa was going to be one of those final couple teams that were going to be in the running for it. It makes sense. You know, when you, when you look at it, it, it makes a lot of sense for Brady, uh, to go to Tampa. You know, the other finalists out there was the Chargers. I know a lot of talk was, was the, the Titans. They ended up giving Tannehill, uh, a long-term deal. So when, when you looked at it, uh, apparently, you know, uh, Brady was interested in the Colts, according to, uh, our friend Peter King. Colts weren't interested in, in Brady. That would have been really interesting for the rivalry between the Colts and, and the Patriots, but 
kind of, I have a theory, which I'll get to here. And that's why, I, you know, originally I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. I believe I'm even on record of, of saying that would never, ever happen. But uh, I, I, you know, gotten to know Peter King and I trust him uh, with, with his info. So, but I got a theory on that. We'll get to here in a second. But, you know, then it was Chargers, Buccaneers. And so when you're looking at it, you know, Chargers, it was like, oh, you know, Tom Brady going back to the West Coast. They're just, you know, they were just in the playoffs a year prior to this past season. Uh, but nope, uh, they, he ends up going to, uh, to the Bucks with Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer. He's got a nice target in Mike Evans. And, you know, it, he's got weapons over there. He's got weapons over there. Uh, and now he's moving to the NFC. And, there's a lot, been a lot of talk already dissecting this move. Already was, we're, we're not going to do that. I'm going to take this a different angle. I'm going to take this a different angle. And there's, I know there's more articles coming out now too, but remember a couple of years ago with, there's, you know, cracks in the foundation with, with, with the Patriots, with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady. This, uh, when you factor in now, you know, Patriots, it sounds like they're not going to go after another quarterback. They brought in Brian Hoyer, and, you know, they don't necessarily have the money to go after another quarterback because, well, Brady's still counting towards as part of a, a cap hit uh, for the for the New England Patriots. But I really believe that there is this big ego thing between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I think there's this big ego thing between them, and Belichick wants to you can call it a conspiracy theory if you want it and it probably is but in my mind i believe there's a small part of bill belichick that wants to go out there and he wants to win a shit ton of games with a quarterback like brian hoyer to prove to tom and to prove to everybody that it was him that it was him why the patriots had all that success all those super bowls on the flip side, Brady wants to prove that it was him. You know, yes, he's going to a team that's got some weapons, but he wants to prove that, you know what, at 43, I can still get this done, and it wasn't Bill. I was the bigger reason why this is, why the Patriots were so good. So good. I think there's a battle of egos going on right now. And could you imagine if these two teams met in the Super Bowl? With the Super Bowl being at Tampa, if you get tired of listening about Brady and Belichick and, and the Patriots, which I'm sure there is a shit ton of you out there right now that are like that, look no further than back than when the Patriots lost the Titans in the playoffs. It was like everybody's you know favorite team just won, but it was everybody's least favorite team that just lost. They're so happy it was the fall of the Patriots. Can you imagine what that media hype would be leading up to that Super Bowl and at the Super Bowl? And that, leading up to that, Brady and Belichick would be as tense, as tight, as a moose's butt during fly season. Leading up to that game and at that game. I, I, I'd be all for it because I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see Brady and Belichick go at it. Who's going to win? Who's going to have the upper hand? I want to see that. And I think that's, you're going to see 
kind of this chess match now this year. Because if the Patriots truly don't go after another quarterback, and they're going to go into the season with Brian Hoyer as their starter, it's a challenge that Belichick wants. It's a challenge that he wants to prove that he can win without Tom Brady. He's done it with Matt Castle, and you know Brady was suspended the first four games. Came out of it three and one with you know Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. But to make the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs. And on the flip side, Tom Brady wants to prove that at 43, he can do it. He can still do it. It's going to be interesting to watch throughout how the, the season, how it all folds out. But looking at the, the, the rest of free agency, um, what the hell is Bill O'Brien doing in Houston right now? What in the hell is he doing with that team? Can somebody, for the love of Mary, get rid of his general manager title? Or build, do like J.J. Watt a favor or something and trade him out of Houston? We look at dysfunctional franchises in the NFL. Houston is quickly climbing the list, top of the list for one of the worst-run franchises in the NFL in terms of personnel, in terms of front office moves. How the hell do you trade DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for David Johnson, all of his contract, and you swap some like second-round picks or you get some second-round picks and swap some other picks? You don't even get a first-round pick. So... Within like a calendar year, or within the last 18 months, whatever, the Texans have traded Jadavian Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins and have not gotten one first-round pick in return for the, one of those guys. Yet they sent first-rounders over to Miami for Laramie Tunsil. What the hell? If I'm J.J. Watt, I'd be, I gotta be thinking, what the, what the hell is going on? If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'd be like, really? And if you're Houston, you've got a young quarterback on a rookie contract yet. This is what we're seeing in the NFL right now. Teams taking advantage of that when they have a good young quarterback on a rookie contract. Yet build up around him right away and try to go for it within those next like three, four, five years. Uh, look at Kansas City. Same draft. Patrick Mahomes, Sean Watson. Bears tried doing it with Mitchell Trubisky with bringing in Khalil Mack and all that, but Mitchell Trubisky's that bad. I, so Houston is, they're not going to do anything. As long as Bill O'Brien is over there, they're, they're not going to be contending for any Super Bowls. I mean, it's not. It's not going to happen. I feel sorry for like J.J. Watt and, and, and Houston fans. It is such a mess over there. Such a mess right now. Didn't understand that. I, and speaking of the Bears, I don't understand giving Jimmy Graham $8 million per year on a two-year contract. You saw Jimmy Graham twice a year for two years playing in your division. At what point did you see that play and go, we got to get me some of that? 
the only there, there's two reasons why they did this signing. One, the general manager Ryan Pace came from the Saints. I don't know if it's a little nostalgia, but if that was a reason, dude needs to get out of there as a general manager. You don't make signings because of that. Two, Chicago is extremely desperate right now. I mean, now they added Nick Foles. They're extremely desperate. This is a season where their general manager, Ryan Pace, is big time on the hot seat. If they don't get to the playoffs, he's out. He's got to be. Some of the moves that he's made and you don't get to the playoffs, you're out. You got to be out. There's no excuse for that. Zip. Carolina releasing Cam Newton now. They, they've got uh, Teddy Bridgewater over there. I'm intrigued with what Carolina's doing. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater pairing up with Christian McCaffrey. They just signed Robbie Anderson. I'm intrigued with that. They, they, they need a defense over there. They need to add some defensive pieces. But I'm intrigued with what that offense is going to look like when you add in Joe Barry, who just led Joe Burrow and LSU to a national championship. So I am intrigued with that. I, I, I like that signing there. Um, you know, Philip Rivers to the Colts, we kind of figured that one was was, was going to happen. Uh, Jadavian Clowney is still out there looking for a team right now, looking for the right team. You know, back to Cam Newton, where's where's his fit going to be? You know, on the surface, it, it, looked, it would be the Chargers, right? That's the style of offense that, you know, his, that would fit him. If they're gonna, if they're gonna run with Tyrod Taylor, they want those quarterbacks that can run to the outside. It, it seems like a logistical, a, lo- a logical fit. Cam Newton, the Chargers, we'll see if that happens, or they may want to get their future at uh, in the draft. But I mean, for some of the signs they made too, that you know they're just a over a year removed prior season. They were in the playoffs. They were a hot team heading in that playoffs. They just ran out of steam. I mean, they signed Brian Balaga. You know, they signed uh, some veterans in there. Get a quarterback that can lead you right away. If Cam Newton's healthy, go get him. And I know it's hard because with all the restrictions of getting players, you know, under medical tests and that. But if if I'm the Chargers and I can get Cam Newton for a decent deal, well, I'm adding him. He's better than Tyrod Taylor. No offense to Taylor, but Cam Newton's better than Tyrod Taylor when Cam Newton's ready to go. So if the Chargers can add him. I look at that AFC West, Chargers, Chiefs, going to be a good division between those two teams. We'll see what uh, what the Raiders can do in Las Vegas uh, and Denver. Can Drew Locke, if he's the guy, can he take that step this year and make them a contender or uh, at least a playoff contending team, division contending team? I, I, I like some of the moves that the Chargers did, bringing in those veterans like a, you know, a Brian Balaga, Joseph on the defensive line. It was a good market for defensive linemen. You know, DeForest Buckner getting a huge contract, then getting traded to the Colts. And then, um, you know, the 49ers keeping one of their own as well. So it, it was Armstead. I was, I was blanking on a name there. Armstead, the 49ers keeping him. So, it's a good. It was a good. You know, you know, when you look at Khalil's Campbell going to the going to the Ravens with, with some of those moves with some of those trades. You know, I, I like what the Raiders or the Ravens have been doing to beef up their defensive line. I like what the Colts are doing. I think you know, Colts now are are, are the team. 
I think the Colts are going to be the team to watch uh, in the AFC South. I know the Titans, you know, what they did last year, but adding Phillip Rivers and then DeForest Buckner with the, with the Colts, I like that. I like what the Ravens are doing, beefing up their defensive line. So, you know, if you're a defensive lineman, it's a good time right now because they are getting paid. Which, if you are the Packers at this point, Kenny Clark is probably smiling because, you know, he's seen these guys get huge contracts and he's going to get a huge contract pretty shortly here. Sounds like they're, they want to get it done, or at least he wants to get it done uh, before the before the season starts. But the Packers signing Devin Punchness. Now, we all know the Packers need another wide receiver opposite of Devontae Adams. They were apparently in on Emmanuel Sanders, or at least had interest in Emmanuel Sanders. He goes to the Saints. Um, Robbie Anderson was a name out there. Well, he goes to the goes to the Panthers. Maybe not getting as much as he originally thought. You know, market value. Uh, uh there was talk about fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year. He got. $10 million average per year from Carolina gets 12 in the first year. Now, Devin, he only played one game last season because of a broken collarbone for the Colts. He is a big target, six foot four, 225 pounds. So if they can get the 2017 version uh, of Devin, then... You know, that wouldn't be so bad because he that's the that's the version that put up over eight hundred yards receiving. That's the version that put up over eight hundred yards receiving. Now, I don't know if Brian Gutekunst is like um if his priority for receivers now are bigger receivers because you know, that draft class from a couple of years ago, MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, um and even Jamon Moore. Six foot four, six foot fives. You got Alan Lazard on there, six five. And now you got Devin, who's six four. So these are some bigger wide receivers, some taller wide receivers. I don't know if that, if, if that's a priority that the Packers want to want to look at or if it's just straight up, Hey, let's, let's get some bigger targets to really help out our, uh, red zone. You know, that's, that's what they view Jimmy Graham as potentially being and it didn't work out. So, you know, I, I I don't know. I haven't seen any of the numbers yet. I, I'm literally trying to refresh uh, my Twitter feed right now to see if I can see, um, you know, any numbers over here. But so far, nothing. And, you know, Devin signed a one-year $10 million deal with the Colts last year. I can't imagine it being anywhere close to that at this point. But... I guess it doesn't surprise me because when you look at, you know, I, I when you look at what Packers had remaining before the the signing here, they did. I mean, they they want to give a big chunk to to Kenny Clark. I'm sitting here trying to find some some numbers and I can't find it. They're going to give a big contract to Kenny Clark. That's going to take some money. David Bakhtiari is also a free agent the next year. Uh, then you got. Kevin King is also going to be a free agent. Aaron Jones is also going to be a free agent. So they've got a lot of money 
that they've got to figure out to give to some of their key players that are on their current roster now. So when you when you, when you see that the Packers had like fourteen million dollars available in cap space, and you're thinking, okay, they can they can make a bigger move or another move here. Um, not you know you gotta have your eye kind of towards the future. So when you factor that all in, those guys that they need. I guess I'm not surprised that the Packers went out and, and got a veteran wide receiver like a like a Devin, who's you know not going to cost as much as a Robbie Anderson or uh, a Bashad Perriman, who cost eight million dollars per year. I, I'd be shocked if Devin got numbers like that. It's probably to me, it's probably half that. And by the time we upload this podcast, we'll, we'll know what the numbers are. But it, I guess it doesn't surprise me that Green Bay went with a I guess you can call it underwhelming veteran wide receiver and this still means I, I i'll still be shocked that if the packers don't draft a wide receiver in the first two rounds of this upcoming draft with with this draft that's just loaded 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 with wide receivers the packers are, are going to get one of those receivers they're going to get one of those receivers no question no question. It'd be stupid not to. They got to come out of this draft with a wide receiver and an inside linebacker. Those are your two highest priorities. Two highest priorities. Then I would put a defensive lineman right after that, too. I'd put a defensive lineman right after that, too. And the other moves for that, that, that the Packers made, I like the Christian Kirksey signing. Um, if he's healthy, you know, I know that's an if. He's had a couple banged up years there, but I, I like that addition to the, to this offense uh, or to this defense. Excuse me. I would like another linebacker next to him who's you know a little bit better in pass coverage, who's a little bit more of a playmaker, uh, sideline to sideline type of guy. Uh, Ricky Wagner, offensive line. We'll see if he's the replacement for Brian Blog at right tackle. It gives him versatility because when he was with the Ravens and even in his college days for Wisconsin, remember he uh, played a little uh, guard as well. Played a lot of guard with the with the Ravens, right tackle with the line. So flexibility there. Does that mean, you know, maybe he's going to be the right guard and Billy Turner slides over to right tackle or he just slots into the right tackle? Heck, maybe he's not even a starter. Who knows at this point? It provides versatility, though, and it was a much cheaper option than Brian Balaga. A much cheaper option than Brian Balaga at this point. So, But I like him. Uh, I do like those moves. I really do like those moves. Let's... And this podcast, having a little fun now. It's the quarantine version of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Did a little quick recap of some of the free agents. And, you know, coming up in the other podcast, because we're about a month away from the draft, and they're still going to hold the draft. It's just going to be quite different. So, you know, no fans and and all that over there. So uh, in the upcoming podcast in the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the draft uh, pro- uh, prospects. Kind of kind of break down some position groups and, and do some uh, breakdowns of some draft prospects coming up here. So that's what's going to be on tap for the next few podcasts. But to finish up this one, if you're stuck in quarantine, if you're going to be spending a lot of time at home, there's no sports on TV, what are you going to watch? Here's my suggestions. Here's my suggestions of the top five football movies that you need to watch. Number five, I, I kind of got a tie. I already cheated at number five. 
Number five, I'm going to go with Rudy and the program. Rudy and the program. Two college football movies there. Completely different, though. Uh, number four, Friday Night Lights, Billy Bob Thornton. Number three, Any Given Sunday, just for Al Pacino's speech alone at the end of the game. Got a little LT in there. Got a little Jim Brown. Even got a little Johnny Unitas as an opposing coach. Did you know that? Johnny Hughes in that game? Yeah, Johnny Hughes in that movie. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with uh, Remember the Titans. Denzel Washington, backside George Reverse. Oh yeah, that that last play always gets me. I don't know why, but with the, with that music at the end, yeah, that last play gets me. Uh, and then my favorite football movie of all time is Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues is easily my favorite football movie of all time. Just missing the cut if anybody's asking. Draft day, so draft day would have been like seven since we had a tie at at number five. But uh, and then my top five quarterbacks, movie football movie quarterbacks. Number five, I'm going to go Shane Falco from The Replacements. Keanu Reeves. Now, when I do this, I'm coming from it from a scout's perspective. Because there's some of these guys, there's some of these actors that played quarterback, and it doesn't even look like they've thrown a football a single day in their life until they got on set of that movie. Some There's just some uh, god-awful looking throws from some of these quarterbacks, including the dude from the program. Blanking on his name. I think his last name starts with a K, the character's name. That guy does not look like he knew how to throw a football in that game, in that movie. So number five, Shane Falco. Surprisingly, Keanu Reeves. He even kind of looks like a quarterback. Uh, number four, Paul Blake. You know who that is? The movie Necessary Roughness. Yeah, he's he's good. Paul Blake in there coming back to college as a veteran. Texas State. I think it was Texas State, right? Something like that. The Armadillos, fighting Armadillos. Paul Blake is my number four uh, quarterback in football movies. Number three, Sunshine from Remember the Titans. Dude can throw a wicked block, too. Yeah, just uh, Sunshine is my number three. And then number two, my number two uh, quarterback, I'm going to go Lance Harbor from Varsity Blues, Paul Walker. That guy looks like he's thrown a football a few times in his life. Smooth release, natural presence in the pocket. Number one, though, I'm going to go John Moxon from Varsity Blues, the guy that replaces Lance Lance Harbor. Leadership qualities. Good form, strong arm. John Moxon is my number one football movie quarterback of all time. Again, it's all based off of kind of like from a scout's perspective. Because some of these guys that play quarterbacks in these movies, they don't, I, I, I don't even know if they knew they were throwing a football, to be honest with you, or if they even watched anybody throw a football properly. I don't know. Uh, but that's going to do it for this uh, edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast coming from the actual Man Cave itself, the the quarantine version of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Uh, but leading up uh, you know, to the draft, because we're about a month away from the draft now, we'll do some podcasts uh, highlighting some of the main prospects in the upcoming draft. And then, of course, we'll do a, a mock draft like a couple days or a day before 
uh, the actual draft itself. But uh, again, be safe, everybody out there. Wash your hands, social distancing, stay home if you can. We'll hopefully get through this sooner rather than later. And the only way we can do that is if we take care of ourselves, take care of everybody else, stay away from everybody else, wash your hands, social distancing, stay home, practice that. But I'm Dan Casper, and this is the Man Cave Football Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode available on all of your favorite platforms. And make sure you rate us so other football fans can find us too. And tell your friends and family about it too. I'm Dan Casper, Man Cave Football Podcast.